I'm probably about to date myself a little here, but amongst my fondest early tech memories was shopping for my first computer. Now, not the first computer I built, or even the first computer in my house, but this one was gonna be mine. While standing in the computer aisle at a now failed big box store, I vividly remember two things. The leap of faith it took to pony up for a Pentium 2 processor when I knew full well the Pentium 3 was gonna magically drop the day after the largest purchase in my life and the advice the salesperson gave me that has stuck with me to this day. See, he saw me poring over the specs of every single off-white tower they had, considering the RAM, clock speed, port selection, you name it. What he didn't see me do was pay any attention to the next dial over, where they kept the monitors. He kindly struck up a conversation, mostly because they'd see me repeat this pattern every Friday after school for at least a month, and the advice he shared amounted to, don't blow your whole budget on the PC itself. Remember, all the graphics in the world are useless if you don't have anything to watch them on. From that one interaction, my near obsession with resolution, refresh rate, and yes, brightness was born. I didn't just want my programs to load as fast as possible or my storage to be larger than I could ever use, and that's never happened. I wanted to see the digital world in front of me come alive. Fast forward a couple decades, and that equation has found its way into everything. TVs, smartphones, tablets, and yes, my trusty monitor. So now, let me bump up the brightness a bit, and let's talk some pixels. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Solid State Podcast. I'm your host, John Joyce. I'm Eric Sargent. And I'm Cody Toscano. And we're here this week to uh, to look at a topic that's very near and dear to our own hearts. <laughs> Torturous puns are just flying yeah, right out yep. of the gate this immediately. This week. Yeah, no, we are we are quite literally here to look at on an audio podcast, I guess. Um, wh know. What's next for display technology? And uh, you know, is most well, I almost said most specifically some of the most important displays being our TVs and our monitors. But right. I guess diving both feet right the way in this this new. I mean, emerging technology is probably even a very kind way to look at it because yeah. it, it hasn't even formally been announced with a manufacturing partner yet, which means we don't actually know if anyone can make it. But the the, the theory behind this pre-emerging technology is the ability to put a display anywhere. On anything, but, yep. Yeah. But before we get too deep into that tech, I guess it's important to start with a little bit of background on why that would be important because the displays we've, you know, that we use every day and have talked about countless times in this show are all more or less built on the same principle that you take a bunch of pixels, you put them in front of a light source. The light source not only provides backlighting, but in a, like a modern quantum um, LED setup for like a QLED setup, for example, that light is what actually excites the LED itself to make it change colors. They use those wavelengths to change the colors of the LED. So suffice to say the backlight plays a very, 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 very important role in producing the brightness, the image, the picture itself. It's all about that backlighting. Um, that's also why TVs get very warm. Um, mm -hmm. Advances in that backlighting tech is what has allowed them to get thinner and thinner and thinner. But even the thinnest TVs, the primary constraint in the ongoing race towards a paper thin display is the backlighting because yep. um, mm -hmm. you have to have that panel. Um, if you've seen a TV that just doesn't look as good as the other TVs hanging on the wall of your local target, it's probably because it's using, um, a lesser array of, of dimming zones. Um, right. that's another area where, you know, big, big difference can come from, you know, when your dimming is controlled by 
literal chunks of the display yeah. getting brighter or darker. An eighth of the display. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So when something gets dark, you see a whole portion of the display gets dark. Or Eric, I know you talked about this with the yep. TV that you recently retired. When yeah, something bright bad. would happen on a dark scene, half the screen would turn gray, basically. Yeah, it was it was what where we noticed it the most was we're we're subtitle people. So and I know some right. people just cringed out there. I could feel it in the force. But we we <laughs> it started when our son was really young. We would turn the TV down low so we wouldn't wake up the baby kind of thing. And we'd have our subtitles on so we knew what was going on in the show. And we just got used to it. So we just have the subtitles on all the time now. And anytime a subtitle block would come up, the whole bottom third of the screen would get bright because the dimming zones would freak out from the white text in the subtitle. And I was like, this is horrible. They just like somebody's got to have a better solution than this. And of course they did. It was called spending more money on your television. Yeah. You know, (laughs) well, you know, that whole thing, but. But no, this this new emerging technology we're talking about is very it's interesting because it it gets rid of that light panel, which, you know, nobody's ever cracked that nut before. So basically each of the little dots, what would be considered an LED or an OLED dot today that would, you know, display the color of the the pixel. Each of those pixels now becomes its own light source instead. Yeah. So they can theoretically print those on a wall you have some you know guy come in with whatever machine it is and they print a big square of that on your wall and run some sort of electronics to it and all of a sudden your wall your entire wall is a television is it a in theory yeah in theory and and i guess we should back up a tiny bit to what the heck this pre-emerging tech is we're even talking about so it, it it came out of ces early this year shout out to several previous episodes um and this electroluminescent quantum dot technology, um, A, has so far been seen on very, very, very small test yeah. displays. Right. Um, it is also a, like so unbelievably early on. They haven't even announced any manufacturing partners. We don't even know for sure if this technology can go to scale or if it's literally just, you know, one of those, you know, long talked about back room. Hey, come look at this new tech. We've got, you know, right. CES stories. Um, but the fact yeah, right of the now matter is prototype stuff that they're yeah. just, yeah. Right. But in true what's next form for our show, I think this is less about this one possible technician from, I'm sorry, this one possible technology from Nanosys and more about even if theirs isn't it, and, and maybe it will right. be, maybe that could be a household name in five years. Who knows? Um, I do believe this concept is the next generation for display tech. This this is what's next for display tech. Conquering the backlight has really been the holdout on the next generation of what displays are going to mean, both the good and the bad. Because, Eric, you're right. We could print a display on anything, and I would love to make every square inch of wall between my two living room windows yeah. be a giant display. I've been on a slow, steady tear towards that for years at great cost to myself and those <laughs> around me. Yeah. Um, but the thought of it being quite literally attached to the wall like like printed against the wall has a lot of you know applications but that's just for my insane desire to have a giant display in my living room it can also go the other direction and give us the ability to have these super efficient high quality high density displays on 
much smaller applications as well that could really use them. You know, status displays, informational boards, interactive signs, things like that. Stuff that can be very, very useful in a lot of environments. Yeah, I mean, we can also until you introduce advertisements. Sure, (laughs) we can also go to you know our everyday devices too. I mean, imagine how much thinner your Apple Watch would be or your Samsung Watch would be if they didn't if you didn't have to have a light panel in there to display. You know, behind it. I mean, you suddenly everything gets more flexible and a lot thinner if you can actually manufacture that in a way that's affordable for any normal person. Because right now, I'm assuming it's crazy expensive to do any kind of small postage stamp size. One of these screens is probably ridiculous because they're in a lab working on each individual pixel kind of thing. But like airports, right? Like instead of the TV that they have, they just have that like printed somewhere. Mm -hmm. Status boards, info displays. And and you're right too, Eric, like, because a lot of the expense on those much smaller devices comes not only from the display itself and the backlight behind it, but then the battery tech that has to run it because that's as the person that cranks the backlight on almost every device he owns to maximum, that is, there is a one-to-one relationship just about between me doing that and what happens next to my battery life like that that's just that is one of the big power draws on any of these devices is the light emitting behind the 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 pixels so the ability to power that at the pixel level um you know it's obviously not a zero sum like there's still power involved but it's just so i would assume it's a lot less yeah 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 i mean it's definitely an interesting theory to to look at i mean i'm assuming that you know it becomes really easy to to make things like um you know virtual reality glasses things like that like Mm -hmm. getting them in those kind of displays much thinner much more power efficient you know it opens up a whole new landscape for all of those kind of things but you know how far out are we is is the thing how how far in the future is this they gave no indication which tells me pretty far (laughs) yeah we're we're talking what could be a decade plus. Yeah. But also I remember when OLED or even QLED was first starting to enter sure. enter the marketplace or, you know, what we're doing with like now with a lot of like micro and mini LED displays. These things do have a tendency when obviously there's a ton of engineering behind this. It's well, well, well over my head. But you know, this is a this is a pattern true through technology. If something catches fire just the right way, it is amazing to me at least how quickly it can go from this thing we hear about from a backroom at CES to next year, we've got some, you know, look ahead at what's coming next from Samsung display, LG display, Sony display, whomever to boom. This is now within a handful of years, the earth shattering marketplace changing technology that happens in this field. It's one of the reasons why we love it so much. There's no guarantee. This is that thing, but I also don't want to discount it as saying, ah, this is a decade plus out. Maybe it is. It could also be powering the TVs to talk about at CES 2026. Yeah, you know, we we just we just right. have no way of knowing from our perspective anyway. They might, um, or the people that are probably looking at investing gobs and gobs of money into it. I hope, or whatever the next tech is going to be, because displays. We talked about them again several times in the show. Displays are kind of the thing that no one, not not no one, because we do probably too much many people don't talk about until they do like you know you, when you think about your tv you re- a lot of a lot of people it's just the black rectangle in their living room that mm-hmm. lets them yeah. watch game of thrones but then 
the minute they realize or do get to experience something new, something greater, the next generation of that thing here, it is, it has the capacity to be game changing for that viewing experience. And for better, for worse, probably for worse, we spend a lot of time with our eyeballs on these displays. Yeah. Think about why the, the display we definitely spend too much time with, the one in our pockets in our hand, why the display is so front and center every time there's a leap forward in those. Um, Apple, Samsung, you name it, they all spend a lot of stage time talking about the thing you have your eyeballs on because yeah. it doesn't really matter what well, does, but to a large degree, it doesn't matter what's going on in the silicon underneath that display if they can't get it to your eyeballs. So this vehicle is so, so, so important. So when we do have these evolutionary jumps forward, even revolutionary jumps forward, it has a tend to, you know, tends to break that fourth wall to the consumer in a way that, Ooh, your display is going to be 20% brighter. Like, sure. That gets Ooh. our attention. But yeah. when it's like, no, no, for what, for what used to cost you for a 55 or 60 inch TV, you can now have one printed the size of your wall. That's, that's like, TV coming into the living room for the first time level of leap forward for yeah. a lot of people. Well, I mean that, you know, that, that kind of a leap forward would make the actual word home theater mean something to sure. a lot more people, you know, to make it more affordable for a lot more people. Cause you're sure there's plenty yep. of people who have, you know, $3,000, $4,000, 4k projectors in their ceiling projecting yeah. onto giant wall size screens. And, you know, and they spent $20,000 doing it. You know, it's, but you know, me, I'm never going to do that. But if I nope. can get one for, you know, a thousand bucks, like mm -hmm. I, you know, like the latest TV I got or whatever, I'm going to do that all day long. So, you know, it just, right. it becomes affordable for a lot more people that way. Especially when you don't update your TVs as often as like, you know, your phone or something like, yeah, sure. your phone display is so dense, but whereas, yeah, you might have like just a 1080 TV at home that you don't even think about. Cause, oh, I've just had it for years. And it yep. still works when I turn it mm -hmm. on. I see the pictures. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it, and it's very, very true, Cody, and you're right. You're like TVs have oft been one of those categories where it is, it's harder. Like we do update our phones typically much more frequently. We even tend to, tend to update our laptops or our game phone. Like these things yeah. have more frequent update cycles. There are plenty of people who are very content to sit on that TV purchase for a decade. They, they, right. or, or, yeah. or more. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it just becomes again, the black rectangle in the corner, as long as it still turns on and I can watch football every Sunday, why do I want to go drop a bunch of money on a new one? It's, it's fine. Mm -hmm. So this technology can't just be, Ooh, it's 16 K or whatever. Cause we've, we've now proven time and time again, that's not enough. The TV yeah. industry reels constantly from that not being enough to drive a mass upgrade cycle. They wanted it to be 3D. It wasn't 3D. They oh, wanted yeah. it to be OLED. It wasn't <laughs> OLED. They wanted it to be curved displays. It wasn't curved displays. The us's kept showing up and buying these things because frankly, it's what we do. But mm. we represent such a small portion of the market. Yeah there's a disproportionately larger percentage of the people that are just fine with, listen, the rectangle in my corner is still plenty big, plenty fine. And I can, you know, see the bucks not score every weekend, just fine on it. Like, <laughs> you know, it, you know what I mean? Like that there, yeah. these moments that drive that adoption rate aren't, they do happen, but they happen over such wide spans of time or people end up 
upgrading when the cost of something right. that is better than what they have becomes so insignificant. It's like, well, if I can just, I, I understand the background is supposed to be black and it's actually gray, but I don't care. It's a 75 inch TV for $300. Please put it in my cart, sir. I'll take two. Right. Like that's, that, that's what gets people to upgrade is it's cheap, big, yeah. cheap display. Like, I mean, that's what though, gets people to buy them. Even though I'm quote unquote, one of us. I mean, that's how I upgrade my TV. Sure. You know, my, uh, my computer is one thing. My phone is one thing, you know. I upgrade those a lot more often, but my TV, I, I do about once a decade. And when I go and jump for something, it's because something became more affordable. Like I was able to get a really good mm-hmm. deal on that Samsung TV. And I now have a, a QLED TV upstairs that's, you know, great. Uh, and I love it. And it was a lot more affordable than it was a few years ago. And just <laughs> like, a year before, I mean, yeah, the TV bought was, was double the price one year yeah. before. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah. And, and that's, and that's the thing when something like that comes out, if that kind of technology becomes affordable where I can print it on my entire wall, I'm going for that. The minute oh, yeah. it becomes affordable, but I guess I'm guessing it's going to come out first and it's going to be like every time we see them come out with a new, size television because that seems like the thing that was driving it for a while how bigger how much bigger can you get it right like all of a sudden (laughs) it was like guys you know samsung's now got a hundred inch tv you know like Mm. when they finally released it first it was 70 inch and then 80 inch and now it's like a hundred inch tv and when the first one comes out it's always like twelve thousand dollars for that tv and then the year after that you can get them for the regular two thousand dollars or whatever yeah then man that those 3d tvs that was where like if you had the glasses it was like one image and if like you could you could have two people watch two different things on them. Oh, they tried they so many. Yeah. Right? Yes, they had they had that take <laughs> on it. They just had the more traditional put on the glasses and watch the arrows whiz by your head. Take so again, yeah, so many gimmicks to try and <laughs> yeah. push and upgrade to try and force. That's the only word I can honestly assign to it force an upgrade cycle because mm-hmm. the TV industry at large is so desperate to force people to want to get a new TV when the fact of the matter is what forces it is a previously new air quotes technology suddenly becoming cheap. And that's mm-hmm. why I do think there is a story to be told with this because assuming the the, the, the stories are true, if they actually can pivot this into big, cheap, good displays because it's kind of like that whole the whole adage you can have it what is it you know um you know fast cheap or good but you can't have all three you can have two two out of the three yeah Yeah. right in this case if they can make if this if this can be a path to big cheap good displays and you actually get all three now we're talking the potential for a universal upgrade cycle this is you know it's 2020 again boys and people are buying stuff like as fast we can get it on the trucks like that's that's the level of upgrade we're talking about that this potentially could do and it could do it across many many verticals because again it's not just the living room tv at that point it's like well, you know what? I would love that patch of wall in the kitchen to just be a display so I can get the dusty kitchen TV off the top of the refrigerator. Like right. the places you could put these displays is as interesting as the, as the displays themselves because they can become far more natively integrated into the environments they're going to be in. Again, for better or for worse. The, the one article uh, I think referenced, you know, and yeah, it could be for like informational displays on a bus. Neat. Which means yeah. 90% of the time, it's going to be advertisements yep. plastered yeah. in front of your face oh, on yeah, a that's, bus. That's, that's every single, instead of having little framed 
you know, advertisements everywhere. That's mm-hmm. every wall you walk past when it becomes cheap. Every wall, the entire wall is a display with advertisements on it. Everything you pass and, and they're going to have I'm to cameras on it here. and targeting ads <laughs> as you walk by the store, you know, AR taking your image and putting you in the clothes in the window as you walk by like that kind of they're, yeah. they're going that's what they're going for so no matter that's you'll be walking down for. the road and it's going to be all over the place like that so and i mean i really go ahead no no go ahead i was just gonna say is that it's not that i haven't always known this but now i'm going to verbalize it for the sadness that it is is that the connective tissue between every single display in our lives that at the end of the day, that display is designed to put advertisements in our eyeballs. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Every single one of them from the Samsung TV hanging in my living room to the Apple watch on my wrist and all of them in between, they effectively exist to serve me an advertisement. Well, they're, they're at the very least subsidized by that. The reason that we can afford them at all is because, over many, many years, it's been the cost has been subsidized because we get advertisements through them all. Oh, absolutely. And that, that is actually a really great connective tissue to a future episode where we're already talking about doing the cost of your TV because that is something that bears talking. Because going back to a lot of people buy the black rectangle, they put it in the corner of their living room, that's just where it lives. And they do not take the time to interrogate or do anything about the fact that they got that TV for $2.99 at Walmart because insert TV label here is collecting data about what you're watching every right. minute that that tv is yep, on and that's a fact that, that's not a conspiracy theory that's a fact like it's mm. in the terms and conditions that they make you check when you turn on the tv and can you go turn a lot or hopefully all of that off yes it's you must go. go in and do it you have to know to want to do it in the first place then you have to know how but most importantly you actually have to want to. And I think that's the most important part is we have collectively become so desensitized to that exact concept. It's, yeah. eh, what do I care? I'm not doing anything all that interesting. Collect my data. And that's, right. we're not going all the way down that rabbit hole right now. Like I said, that's a future <laughs> episode, but oh, yeah. it does touch this because it, these these displays, large, small, and medium, are the vehicles for the active action of putting those advertisements in front of us. But then on the flip side, because they are all smart, they're all connected, they're all sending data the other direction. It also has the ability to collect that so very valuable advertising and data from us. Eric, your example of, you know, the, the AR storefront that's going to put you in the, the, then take it a step further. Not only is it going to project that image at you, it's then going to collect how many times was this successful at getting someone to stop in their tracks and look at themselves yeah. in the clothes? They're going to eye track. Yeah. What did they look right. at when they stopped and looked at this? Were they mm-hmm. concentrated on the upper portion or the lower portion? What garnered more interest? And they're going to have it, a weighted graph and they're going to sell mm-hmm. all that information. Yeah. And then I'm going to take it to its even its next, you know, big brother step, which is checking to see is the face of the person who's checking themselves out in the metaphorical mirror, a member of our rewards program using facial recognition, we should send them a 10% off coupon because maybe they they'll stop in the store and go buy the thing they stopped and looked at. Like right. there's uh-huh. a lot, we're way off the rails from this is a really cool new <laughs> tech, you know, consumer, you know, technology, but these are the things that do have to be talked about because if we don't talk about them. They're going to happen anyway. Yep, right. If we talk about them in advance, we can have the conversation going in and collectively as a society, as an industry, as a consumer base, 
direct it in a way that's maybe a little bit less icky. Can I get 5% less icky? Yeah, right. we don't have to yeah. make the same mistake twice. We can, you know. Right. Can we just lift out the facial can recognition we, can tech? Can we learn from our mistakes? That's fine. <laughs> well, well, maybe, you know, Joe Consumer, that like we realize yeah. things are taking our data now so we can, you that know, oh, nice. maybe I should check my TV for, for logging my audio. Yeah. Right. But yeah, you know, so that, the, this, um, this, the quantum dot that we're talking about is, yes. is one of the things. There was another one that I found that, it, again, but with both of them, it's like just alphabet soup, buzzword yeah. pollution. In the future. Here. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> this new company is called Suave, first of all, which Ooh. that's a whole thing on its own. Um, they are I already looking, took a shower this morning. Thanks, Eric. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, they spell it differently than that, but yeah. Um, and they're making I'm sure their lawyers told them they have to exactly change yeah. that one letter. Okay. They're calling it, um, extended reality XR technology, and oh. they have their new, uh, HXR microchip that they're talking about. It's, they're saying it's, you know, they've got partners already. It's mass producible. It's a, you know, two centimeter, two centimeter by two centimeter chip for ultra high end holographic displays, they're calling it. And they're saying that it has the ability to densely pack the pixels down so close that it recreates 2020 vision and they can do it without um, prescription glasses. Like they can adjust the way it displays the light so that, okay. you know, people with glasses won't have to wear glasses. So it's primarily geared towards augmented reality, virtual reality, extended reality displays, real small displays, but they, this is projecting the pixels basically onto your retina. And they're saying that yeah, it's well, already kind of proven or whatever, and they can do it and they've got these chips and they're able to mass produce them. The little pixels are below 220 nanometers. And, you know, it, it basically eliminates that whole field of view issue that a lot of virtual reality displays have where you're like, you're, you have tunnel vision, you know, you can see yeah. black on either side mm -hmm. of your vision that goes yep. away and no longer needing glasses when you're using your displays, which is a big deal. Of course, when is this going to come out? Who knows? Like the, like the discussion from the other one. But I mean, again, that would be that sort of technology becoming affordable, yep. mass producible and affordable changes the game for virtual reality. Absolutely, it does. And, and, and possibly the most important there, and I'm going to go back on even my own words before, possibly more important from what you just said than the price is the glasses less aspect yep. of it. Because yeah. obviously talking to the two of you a ton about this and inside the pod, I can see you both wearing glasses. <laughs> yep. um, my wife, card carrying glasses member, I'm many, mm. many, many people. I am the minority in my, in my <laughs> circle of people that I do not happen to wear glasses. Um, so I don't have any firsthand experience with this, but I know from talking to all of you, because mm -hmm. all I talk about is these things, is that's one of the biggest holdups on truly enjoying things like VR specifically, because AR is a different animal altogether because yeah. in theory the end game of that is the glasses you're wearing are going to be the ar right. glasses so yeah, that's right. a little bit of a different go but vr at the end of the day at least in its current rendition has to be a thing that goes on your face and if there's already a thing on your face <laughs> yeah we yep. have a problem and it, it is undoable at worst ruinously uncomfortable it's why like i said my wife won't we have several vr things in our house that I, you know, that I'm like, Hey, you got to check this out. And she will 
very politely placate me for five minutes and then take the thing off because she just can't hand the thing she thinks is very cool but the act of wearing it for more than five minutes with her glasses on is just annoying well i mean that was the thing like when i was looking at getting the meta quest 2 that i picked up i was you know sitting on my couch with a tape measure with my glasses Like, That's right. are they going to fit inside this thing? Because that yeah. was that was a genuine concern was, can oh, yeah. I even put this thing on my face when wearing my glasses? Because if I didn't, there's solutions. You can get insert lenses that, mm. can, that go in, like your prescription lenses that go inside and clip into your virtual reality headset. But then that would have been another like $140 or something oh, on yeah, top to get those, machine to get those sent, over. sent to me in my prescription and everything. And then anytime I put it on, it was like, oh, hey, you know, son, wife, check this cool thing out and hand it to them. We'd have to fiddle with getting yep. my prescription lenses out so that they could put theirs in because they all wear glasses too. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, it becomes untenable. So that, I mean, that would be, again, we're talking about the future of display tech here today. Yep. That would be huge to not have to deal with all the glasses and that. stuff. And also, you know, I don't want to downplay the, the field of vision thing is is right. huge because that is the primary reason well there's two big reasons that's one of the primary reasons that people get motion sickness in virtual reality is the tunnel yep. vision mm-hmm. and the other one is that you you know you you're moving you, your body your mind feels like you're moving when your body is not moving which right. is solved by you know those treadmill things that they're doing which is another add-on that you have to buy but you know for the the display tech part i mean having that field of view suddenly being immersed in a virtual reality world becomes actually immersive. Like right Right. now you can tell I've got the goggles on my head. I need the back of your head. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when the field of vision doesn't exist anymore and you're, it looks like it does when you're out of the headset, when you're in it, you might actually forget that that thing's on your face. If they're, you know, if you merge this display tech with the other display tech and it's so thin and light and there's no field of vision and all of a sudden you don't even remember you're wearing the thing and you're actually immersed in a virtual world that changes the whole game. Yeah. It's like the whole inside of the screen that, you know, they just paint Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would be pretty impressive to see something like that come around for sure. So when's when's it going to appear on the iPhone? (laughs) (laughs) So somewhere around the same time as their AR glasses, I'm yeah. guessing. Uh, but it, it is interesting, the connective tissue between all of this and you know, that the question, what's next for display tech, is so directly connected to what's next for almost every single consumer tech for sure. Almost yeah. every, you know, vertical of technology in general, because again, the display is the part that so few people actively think about. They of course think about it at a sub level when they're using the device, but as far as like actively contemplating, huh, the thing I'm looking at is not normally the connection most people out in Joe public make, but it's the thing that when it changes, it has the propensity to change the experience in a huge, huge way. And that's not a new thing. I remember, you know, antenna gate, notwithstanding one of the biggest, I remember (laughs) getting my iPhone four for the first time and instantly realizing what a leap forward display wise that was from my three GS. Yeah. Yeah. There was a big difference on that one for sure. That was the first time they got to sort of like the retina display Mm -hmm. on the phone. So yeah, that was, yeah. I I remember picking up and thinking this, this, even then, but definitely now tiny display is somehow 
better to use than the contemporary iPad of the day for a lot of things, even the even though the iPad was in orders of magnitude a larger display because the that retina display hadn't yeah. yet come to the iPad. So many things yeah. just looked mm-hmm. better on that. Well, I think it was a four inch display or something like that, which mm-hmm. again yeah. seemed huge, but it's just like it, it it was just it was a big, big, big difference. Um and even on the flip side, I think about Going back to these weren't cheap, but big displays, quote unquote. I think we talked about on a recent episode. I remember that Nokia Windows phone that I got, and that was my very yes. first like yeah. when, when, when we were when we were throwing that phablet word around a lot more yep. frequently because I hated that term so much. Oh by the way. yeah, but um, hated it, <laughs> but mostly because I was the one partaking in it and didn't like it being labeled. But I digress. Yeah. Um, but I do remember like holding that phone for the first time, and the first thing I'm thinking wasn't like wow, this phone is fast or wow, that's way too many pixels for a phone camera or my goodness, Windows phone is special. No, it was this display is enormous or at least Mm. at the time it it was like a six inch display and it felt absolutely enormous. And now that's middling to table stakes. But that, that steady march forward of display tech, very, very few consumers go back and think about, yeah, it was the display that really got me. But the fact of the matter is, chances are it was the display that got them because they probably didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking, well, you know, this has a 16 core processor instead of a 12 core processor. And that resulted, no, they picked up, said, wow, I can really see Instagram in a whole new way on that extra inch and a half of screen. I want that one. Yeah. When I, when when I turn it sideways to watch Netflix, it like, Uh you know, this looks amazing. You know, that's that you're right. That's what they're, uh. That's what they're seeing and not thinking about it necessarily. It kind of goes to the back of everybody's mind, but it's the first thing you're looking at. So, yep. I think about the person walking into your local cell carrier store. Where are your eyes going to go? The one with the big, bright display. Mm-hmm. You, know, you walk into the big box store and you walk past the electronics department, and there's the wall of TVs from atrocious to possibly awesome, depending on if they have a decent TV department. Where yeah. are your eyes going to go to? The big, bright display. I mean, there's a reason why they calibrate all of the, like, um, dis- sample images and whatnot to be these insanely yeah. bright, yeah. colorful nature documentary shots. Because a, Eric, to your point, they never want to let anything remotely approaching black ever show up on those displays right. because you'll immediately know which displays suck. Well, because they'll be gray. You know, that was <laughs> one thing I was going to say. You got to be careful at those big box stores, though. I've worked at one of those before, and I know the trick that they at least they used to do when I worked there. So they would have. It was, you know, HDMI was a thing. High definition TVs were starting to be a thing. So they would, the TVs that would go on sale would get hooked up with the HDMI and the other ones would get hooked up with component. So they would look worse. (laughs) Yeah. So the the TVs would look blurrier and people would go in and be like, oh, this one's cheaper and it looks better. And they would buy that one. And it was just that it was actually hooked up with a decent source. So yeah, that's the TV. They just have to make it more margin on that yep. weekend. So yeah. or Tiger exactly. Direct. <laughs> that's oh Tiger Direct. Yes, <laughs> in there and everything. We we had a brick and mortar Tiger Direct years ago, and we are fully yeah. off the rails. But I'm okay with it because this is my favorite kind of nostalgia. Um, Cody and I have oft referred to our Tiger Direct as the store of requirement. Because yeah. <laughs> you could just walk in either for something or just to kill time and somehow instantly discover, and not even on a shelf, for some reason it was always in like a big 
semi-open yeah. cardboard box in the yep. middle of an aisle. That thing you've been looking for for years, but had no idea. And it was on sale that day. And the amount of crap that I would walk out of that store with that I... I have no idea why I bought it, but it appeared cheap and it was in a big cardboard box in the middle of an aisle and I must have it. <laughs> and we was totally just... off the rails. But yeah, I remember that st- when I used to live down in the area with you guys, that <laughs> was, we called that shopping complex right there, the center of the universe, because we Barnes would go there every weekend for everything. Because yeah, Target, like Barnes all the Noble, stores that we like to visit, yep, we're yep. right there, and we would yeah. spend all of our time right there. So, yeah. And if you got funny. hungry, there was a Moe's on the corner, yep. right next to an ice cream shop and a GameStop. So, really, exactly, yeah. you're right. Why would you just get me a camper? I'll park myself we in the parking lot and leave. Because <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. When when oh. the wife got bored of me being in the computer store, oh hey, look, a Super Target. Like, yeah, we're good. Wow. We had everything we needed right there. So. <laughs> Which, too, shockingly, has made a business out of selling people things they didn't know they needed out of semi-open cardboard boxes in yep, the middle exactly. of the aisle. There you go. See, yeah. I've cracked the code. I've cracked That's the it. code of American retail. It's well, now I know how to. Stuff. The thing is, the advertisers are now listening to John that we were talking about earlier. So now they know they're just going right. to start placing random open cardboard boxes around John, and he's just going to keep buying stuff. You're like, this ooh, what did you get put on the shelf yet? <laughs> it's like I don't even know if I own a VHS player anymore. But I must have this original copy of Red Dawn on VHS <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's two ninety nine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the, the, those are like again we're we're out now off the rails that we're off the rails. But when I think about like those ridiculous like cheap cardboard like in store displays, I think about I think I've mentioned this on a past episode. Like as a kid, hours digging through vats of like dvds and even oh, yeah. long enough oh, to be yeah, vhs it's like in the middle of a wall yeah yes yeah. and you know especially when my most direct ties when dvds were new and as a result yeah. expensive like at the, at the time especially mm-hmm. like 20 dollars for oh, a dvd I know. Was yeah kind of like who would pay $20 for a DVD? But then in true Walmart fashion, they would bulk buy like all the old VHSs that got upscaled yep. to DVD, throw them in a bin for $4.99. You thought it was the second coming. Yeah. And I, my dad especially is just a sucker for that kind of deal. Love you, but it's real. Um, <laughs> he would say, movies, I swear we already owned two and three times over, but it's right. $5. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but we have yeah, what happens five dollars. That, that copy breaks. We now we got a back, and then we won't be able to get months. it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that. And but many of those uh, conversations too. Yeah, apparently that phenomenon is genetic because what I just described about my father with cheap DVDs was me and that tiger direction. Like, but but it's a. I might need a spare monitor stand. Like I, I don't yeah. have a vase mount yet. Like, well, what are you going to mount it to? Well, I don't know, but if I need to mount my monitor, I'm going to need a mount and it's half off <laughs> it and it's in a big empty much. cardboard box in the middle of a hallway. So, yeah. These fans are on sale. I kind of get those yeah. just in case, but to attempt to bring it all the way back to displays, Cody, you, you brought up tiger direct for a reason because you're right. That was, you are correct. That, they had what Eric described down pat. We yeah. got to know like the rep from the like IT side of the house, like all the computers and parts. Cause yeah. that's why we primarily went there was it was the only place locally to get parts in a pinch. Mm-hmm. I just, and that's why I still decry their disappearance because it was the only place I could go to get some parts if I needed them day of. Yeah, like now actual, I have to hope not, not Amazon like, has it for next day. Right. Not like the mass produced stuff you can get at Best Buy or whatever. Right. They had like no. actual computer components that you could get. There. Yeah. Like yeah. I need a very specific CPU cooler and I need it now. That was the only way to go get it that yeah. same day. But they knew what they were doing. The only way to get to those aisles was to walk past all the TVs and the monitors <laughs> because they knew 
If you want to stop an IT nerd in his tracks, put a giant TV showing like multicolored birds flying over the Amazon and ridiculously yeah, high, high fidelity. Yeah. We yeah. are going to stop and say, wow. man, Assassin's yeah. Creed would look really good on that display. Yeah. And then chances are the guy is going to sell me a half off TV <laughs> somehow still out of a big cardboard box in the middle of the aisle. Right. I don't know yeah. how they did that. Yeah. Hey, you look there at that it was. <laughs> So what can I, what can I do to get you in this TV today? I think yeah. it was, that was, that was just a whole time in my life that led to me giving TVs to many of my family members because I at one point ended up with more TVs and rooms to put them in. I have a problem, but anyway, <laughs> to bring it full, full, full circle back to what we were here to talk about today, that is the most dangerous part about the possibility of one day just printing displays onto whatever I want, because I don't think there will be a door safe left in my house because, <laughs> you know, why wouldn't I just want a little display printed to the outside of the door that says recording on it? Because, yeah. you know, that just feels cool. It, flash. it does feel cool. That's yeah, right. absolutely. Well, I mean, I think the, the interesting thing will be when it becomes so commonplace that they start selling the printers you know like it'll right. be like a thing you hold in your mm -hmm. hand and you'll just drag it across your wall and then and you just make those stripes like you're painting your wall and all of a sudden you at home have created your own display and you know like that kind of thing they're gonna it's gonna be so commonplace we won't even talk about it anymore because it'll just we'll be talking about the next thing and right. and it's interesting to, to think about those iterations like that are constantly coming because you know I know I'm old, but it wasn't that <laughs> long ago that I was really excited when I started working for an audiovisual company and they were like, we've got extra TVs. You can go ahead and take one of these home. And I was so excited because the 27 inch tube TV was so much bigger than the 13 inch tube TV that I'd had at home yeah. that we were watching our DVDs on and our VHS tapes on. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was a 27 inch. And I remember I had to carry it. Was, it weighed like a hundred pounds. It was, you know, it was all the, a yeah. big glass tube TV. I had to carry it out to the car, put it in the back of my car, seat belt it in. Because if I stopped <laughs> too quick, it was going to like top heavy flip over in the back of the car yep. and, you know, and then brought that home. And then I'm lugging it into our little like one bedroom apartment. You Look know, what I got. Yeah. And like, <laughs> where are we going to, we don't even have a stand to put that on. I'm like, it's going on the floor for now. Yeah. Like we got it was free. TV. It was like the coolest thing ever to have this. Like we felt like rock stars with a big, with a tube TV, you know, yeah. and, now, and not that much later here we are with hundred inch TVs that are, you know, half an inch thick at the thickest, mm -hmm. sometimes less in certain places. And in, and they're not that expensive you know, comparatively speaking, I mean, you can get up in those 80 to hundred inch TVs now sure, or consumer grade prices, not yep. a $12,000 spend. And yeah. you know, nope. it, it four times diagonal viewing. I, I mean, you're basically, okay. you are, you're able to now create a movie theater in your home, which is, you know, the goal. So when I, and I'm glad you brought that up too, because you said something a few minutes ago that I wanted to full circle back to, as we do back to our movie theater, you know, what, yeah. what's next for the movie theater? Yeah. Because there, I do see two possible outcomes, both of which are possible, maybe both literally. This does enable a whole new potential generation for the home theater. Yep. But really, doesn't this tech also potentially unlock a whole new opportunity for 
the theater for what we were talking about, the ability to, you know, the one thing that these big empty caverns have that I don't is a wall, the size of eight semi trucks piled on top of each other. So Mm -hmm. when the, if the potential limiting factor of the display you can make is the literal surface you have to put the display on, it can still come out When we think about these, even these tiny boutique theaters, suddenly being able to have like IMAX size, displays because heck what the only thing even if it's a super small theater all they have to do is bust the wall down between two of their theater rooms and then have it span but i mean what when the room is the is the confining factor assuming of course this is as scalable as it could potentially one day become and affordable as it could potentially one day become that could reinvigorate the yeah we know you could make a 150 inch display in your living room isn't that cute come see our you know 150 foot display Uh, there's 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 something there's there's something there for that that can change a viewing experience and obviously there's the entire possibility that this tech is going to mature right alongside what you were also talking about earlier where these ar and vr experiences where does the room then Right. Does the room then matter if you can put on a pair of glasses and there's a 300 foot display suddenly floating in front of your face? Cody, we've talked about that some, some of the, some mm. of the metaverse stuff that's going on yeah. with like, you can hop in with your friends in a virtual movie theater and watch yep. a film together. Like, mm-hmm. so there's, I, I can see, obviously I'm talking about several possible outcomes, all of which could coincide and lead to yet another format war. I'm excited about that because a, that's competition, big yeah. fan, mm. as we've talked about, but it's like, those are all really, really cool potential outcomes that unlock new user experiences for people that otherwise may have never had them. And isn't that the point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, well, I, I didn't think about the the actual movie theater, movie theater, but you're right. I mean, that that would reinvigorate the whole thing because they're big, like you talked about knocking down the wall, their big thing is, they can't get enough people in there. Right. Yeah. You now know, that we have many screens. And stuff now. <laughs> so now you yeah. knock out the wall between two theaters and you have a 400 foot screen, just right. a ridiculous size screen. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, half the number of theaters, but people are coming in because, you know, then, you know, Avatar 17 came out and you want to go and watch it in 3D on the big screen or whatever. So it's, you know, it, it brings some of that back around, but also gives you the option to, if you want to be a person who stays at home to watch movies like me, I can have a giant, I got a pretty good size wall up there. I'd be pretty excited to get that whole wall covered. You know, that'd be pretty cool. So I just, this is just one of so many examples that I constantly see of, yes, this feels very far away. And some of this stuff may never happen. Again, this is this exploratory technology at best, but at its minimum, I do believe it represents conceptually a thing that will happen the ability to mass produce or even to your point eric self-create these massive highly flexible displays someone's going to crack that nut because Mm -hmm. they have to and the forces of the market and innovation and just the smart freaking people that make this stuff every day it is bordering on inevitable to get, you know, whatever tech they use to get there may not be this nanosys tech, for example, but someone's going to crack that, that overarching ability. And what that unlocks then is future opportunities for people to use the technology in new and interesting ways. And it can breathe life into old industries that are otherwise dying. It could dramatically upend industries that we currently exist in, you know, going back to 
if I can obviously still have to buy the materials or the thing, like we're way down the rabbit hole, like making my own display, like that's obviously several generations of even this ahead of us, but cool, you made the display. Someone's still got to deliver the experience to that display. What's mm-hmm. driving it? What content is getting there? What game are you playing on it? Like, yes, we don't normally, going back to the example I've used a few times, rarely do people think about the TV they're using when they're playing Halo. They're normally just thinking about Halo. But the fact of the matter is the game, the Xbox, the controller, the internet connection, all of that is worthless if you can't see the game. So the display really is very, very important. And when we unlock new opportunities in those displays, you know, why, why, why are people so captivated by foldables right now? Mm-hmm. we've all but conclusively proven it's not because they give you some new sense of utility. It's just not. Yeah. It's I, just like a, you even, do, right? we've, we've, we've talked about it endlessly. We, you either have a small fat phone that becomes a middling normal sized phone, or you have a normal sized fat phone that becomes a small middling tablet. Like the, but people to this day, these have been out for years now. And I, if I use my flip four in public more often than not, someone is going to ask me about it. Right. And that's just because that starter. Yeah. Right. And what I've tracked about technology that can do that is it's mere existence has somehow captivated people. And I have to believe it's not because that thing has any actual value because I've been using it now for almost a year and have yet to find the value in the thing other than I think it's cool and fun and interesting and new. (laughs) Yeah. But people who are staring at the black rectangle in their hand or the big black rectangle on the wall day in and day out, see that rectangle do something different. That's immediately interesting. So that's all I need to know to then know that something like this down the road, giving us the market innovators, the ability to do countless new and interesting things, that's going to get people's attention. That's what's going to have TV companies salivating because you want to talk about the thing they've been chasing for two decades that would, that would drive an overnight marketplace wide adoption of a new technology. It's the ability to do something that new, that interesting, something they've always done in a new way. And potentially affordably, yeah, that's holy the big cow. piece. Yeah, mm-hmm. if they can get it to where where it doesn't, where it's expensive enough that they can make a profit, but not so expensive that everybody goes, "I'm never going to like twelve thousand dollars." No, you know, like that kind of thing. You mm-hmm. you just you get it to that price point psychologically that makes people go, "Oh, okay, I can swing that." Then all of a sudden, yeah, they've got a, a huge surge in their market share, and they are, they make their shareholders very happy. So. And this, this is where I'll be, you know, ruinously naive and optimistic because I already know this isn't how it'll play out. But, you know, my perfect world would be this technology would become available at a point where they could charge such a price that people would see it as a value, but it'd be such an efficient technology. The TV companies could go back to, Oh, I don't know, selling me that technology and making a sufficient profit off the sale of that technology at face value 
mm-hmm. that they don't need to mine every single thing I do on my yeah. TV to make a profit. Yeah, but here's the problem. You're asking too much, John. Yeah, here's the problem. <laughs> if with you that. do if they both, can then it, you have double the profit. Yes, yeah, I know. That's that's exactly. why I know it's not going to go that way. And get the advertising. Well, mm. let's do that. It does yeah. make me think. Like, what if you have a dead pixel or or whatever you want to call it? Sure. Right at that point, like, sure. How does that get replaced? How much? There's going there, you know, right? to have to be like you know. Have you ever tried to like hang a picture on the wall and they have those hooks that have like the removal kit? Like it sticks yeah. to the yeah. wall and then you pull the thing and if a, there's going to have to be like the removal kit for your peel and stick TV. Yeah. I'm thinking about like bedazzling each each <laughs> like well, pixel onto yeah, the wall see, or whatever. Micro dot as you yeah. go. <laughs> Could we you can not? just pull out I, one micro dot. I have enough OCD when I actually hang like meaningless like paintings mm. and pictures on my wall. I could not possibly imagine the level of OCD that I have. I'd actually end up ripping my wall down is what would happen. <laughs> if it were up to me crooked. to align to align these things properly, it would like, suddenly there'd be like a jackhammer and a hole where there used to be a wall at my house <laughs> because it was one tenth of an inch to the left. So save me some myself. And when this happens, someone please do it professionally. Yeah. I am very much the person that likes to have the guy. I'd much yeah. rather just call the guy <laughs> and yeah, have him come do, do it, it correctly because A, chances are he will do it correct and i won't and if he doesn't i can call the guy and he will come do it correct he or she or whomever will come and do it correctly so yeah (laughs) what can i say (laughs) yeah i mean but i think you know we'll we'll get there sooner than we think it'll feel like in the moment that it's going to take a while to get there but when we're in it it's going to be i mean i think the thing that i'm most interested in i mean i love the idea of having a giant TV screen and all that in my home. But the thing that I'm kind of most jazzed about is that virtual reality tech. If they can get that to the point where it's actually immersive and affordable and lightweight, that'd be pretty interesting to, to, to see. And especially if I don't have to wear my stupid glasses every time I put the thing on my head, that would be pretty big big deal too. Or again, or they can get it, or they can get it down to glasses that you would otherwise want to wear because that, that's the thing we, I think we all ironically, if you got enough people in a room together, ask them to describe what would you want your AR VR experience to look like at a device level? Most people's answer would be within a few degrees. I think we all have a pretty clear image having grown up in like the science fiction realm of like the technology of tomorrow. Like we all know what we want those glasses to look like. Yeah. What all these big companies are chasing is the tech necessary to make that thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, the the ultimate endpoint for AR is for you guys to put on the literal glasses you're wearing right now and have it be able to do AR things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the great. companies already know that. Like they know that's what you want. It's the distance between us and the literal tech to make that happen. And you're right, Eric. I think these these developments could be some of the the dots that need to be connected towards that to eventual there. end game. Yeah. And it would just be amazing to be able to, to see that, to, to put my glasses on, you know, and push Mm -hmm. a button on the side and they become my virtual reality glasses. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. That would be, that'd be pretty great to get to that point, especially if you get to that point and you, it costs the same amount that my glasses cost. If you're subsidizing your V, your (laughs) AR glasses with your insurance, because yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have my vision insurance, you know, and I just right, pay yeah. the upcharge and now I have my AR glasses because I'm getting my prescription lenses in them for my day to day. Yeah. And then, you know, and it's all part of the package that you get wrapped in and it suddenly becomes affordable for everybody to have that kind of thing. And then 
now I'm getting advertisements every time I walk past. Well, the I was going to say, Eric, you can yeah. pro- you can probably get them for free as long as right. you check the little consent box that yeah. you, get, you you agree to get you know Eyeglass Direct with I always, offers. I always think so, back um, to I always think with back special to, offers. I think back to Ready Player One every time because there's that one yep. guy in there who's talking about like you know research show that you know we can fill seventy percent of your view field before starting to cause seizures. So think of all the advertising we can get in there. It's just like <laughs> advertising seventy yeah. percent of your eyes is all covered but yeah that's that's where we're headed so i will be opting out of that i'll pay the extra yeah it, as someone who drives regularly in florida and first of all people stop making fun of florida drivers it's all of you sent us your worst drivers that is what <laughs> happened here i just want to clarify yeah. but i will tell you they cannot afford to give up any percentage of their field of view except no. that maybe i could just go the other way and if we took away enough of it maybe all they could look at was the road and nothing else so maybe just tunnel vision <laughs> is the answer yeah um exactly. I'm, if it solves that i'm good with it but um i guess on that you know rear end of a bombshell that's uh where we'll wrap up display tech for this week do you guys have anything uh, here at the end uh, no, I'm just going to pop an advertisement up on your screen to like and subscribe. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm going to open up the settings menu and make sure that I turn off that data collection advertising, as you should <laughs> with you every new display that you buy. So, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, we will wrap it up and catch you next time. Later. Later. Later.